are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Colossians chapter 1. Remember the last time I told you that we were going to be doing a series in Colossians? We did from uh, verse 1 to 15, uh, and now we're going to do from uh, 15 to 29 of Colossians. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, okay? It is very uh, English, and... uh, It saves a lot of having to explain. If I read it from the King James or one of the other versions, I would have to explain a lot of things. But this is plain English, so I don't have to repeat myself. Verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood, On the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles also. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. 
This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. He, we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, Bless this word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled the message today, Being Reconciled to God. Today we will examine the, the conversion of the Colossians as described in, in this passage of Scripture with a view to understanding our own conversion to Christ, our own reconciliation to God. First, Paul establishes who Jesus is. And this is very important. Today, there is a trend in our world, in the secular world, to leave Jesus out of our denominational and religious practices. But Paul tells us that Jesus is the invisible image, the visible image of the invisible God. The invisible, the visible image of the invisible God, which is God the Father. He existed before anything was created. He is eternal. He is God. Everything was created through him and for him. And he is the head of the church. The church is Christ's spiritual body. And you and I are the church. Every born-again believer is a part of his body, is a member of his body. And he is the head. And this is in line with what John said concerning him. In, in John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, the word, was oh, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. This is referring to Jesus Christ. It goes on to say in verse 10, He came into the very world He created, but the world did not recognize Him. Verse 11 says, he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. And verse 12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's you and I. We are God's children, adopted into the family of God. So, Let's look at a before and after picture. Here in verse, verses 21 and 23, before their, confer, before their conversion, before being born again, Paul said in verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were enemies separated from him by your, by your evil thoughts and actions. And guess what? That's a picture of you and I. 
That's the way you and I were. Before we were born again, we had no thoughts towards God. But God, in his love and mercy, brought us to him. The Bible says that we were separated both in thought and deed. Sinners. But now, they were reconciled. And you and I, if we are born again, are reconciled to Christ. That word reconciled means reunited or merged or fused or joined with Christ. We are one with Christ. We are one flesh with Christ. Isn't it amazing that in describing the marriage relationship, the Bible talks about one flesh. The two become one. You leave father and mother and you join together and become one flesh. Well, we, the church, the body of Christ, become one flesh with him. We are one with him now. Two things are mentioned in the context to explain this. In verse 20, Paul mentions Christ's blood on the cross. And in verse 21 and 22, Paul says, He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. He died a physical death so you and I could have spiritual life. Amen? They were now reconciled or brought back to God. And he says, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now that is something. Can you imagine looking at my life? And as I read this, if I didn't, if I didn't know, if, was, if I heard this for the first time, I would say, there's got to be a misprint here. There's something wrong with this because I don't feel like I am blameless before God. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from every sin. And that is why we don't stand in our own righteousness. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. He paid it all for me. He paid it all for you. Amen? We are now presented to God as holy, sanctified, set apart for God's use, blameless, not guilty anymore, justified, just as if we had never sinned, above reproach in God's sight. It is important to note that this is how God views you and me. God views us that way. That's how God sees us. Now, People who know you and I, people who know us well, may find it hard to believe that such a transformation has taken place in our lives. But really, folks, we try our best to present ourselves and to represent Christ in our everyday life. Sometimes we don't do a very good job of it. But when all is said and done, it doesn't matter what people think of you. 
They could have a list as long as your arm about all of the things that they know that are negative about you. But God sees you as holy. God sees you as blameless. God sees you as justified. And that's what matters. Because if God don't see this in me, if God don't see that in you, there is no hope. But the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us all from all sin. And it keeps us clean. Now, there's a sober warning here. The Bible indicates that there is a condition to having this kind of a standing before God. And here it is, Colossians 1.23. The last time I preached uh, from this chapter, or from, uh, yes, from this chapter, I, I uh, mentioned this. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. You must continue to believe. Life is full of choices. I could get up today and choose, well, I'm not going to serve God anymore. I'm going to stop believing in God. I'm going to look to some of those other philosophies in life. That's it. It's over. Not going to preach another sermon. Not going to counsel another person. That's a choice that I'm free to make every day that I have breath. Every one of us has been given a choice. Free will. We can make those choices. And so we must choose to believe. Stand firmly in that belief. And don't drift away from it. Folks, our salvation is conditional on believing in Christ. Either I'm a believer or I'm not. And you say, well, what about the security of the believer? Because there is a teaching that says, once saved, always saved. And while there's a lot of truth in that, if you take it to the extreme, some people say that you can, after you've said the sinner's prayer, you can go and live like the devil the rest of your life and still go to heaven. Folks, that's not in the Bible. And I'm going to show you what the Bible says. Though the Bible does teach the security of the believer, it also teaches the insecurity of the unbeliever. Now listen to me. The Bible teaches that a believer, if not diligent, can become an unbeliever. Do you know people, unless you're living in a cocoon, you do, who once served God and, and had a glowing testimony filled with the Holy Spirit, did great things for God, and today they're not living anything like that. 
They're in the bars getting drunk. They're into all kinds of evil and wickedness. And they might still call themselves a believer. But listen to this. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Notice who we're talking to. Dear brothers and sisters, it's talking to the church, it's talking to believers. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. That's what this is found in Hebrews. If you're taking notes, this is found in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. In fact, you can go on to 19 on that. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardness against God. Listen to this. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in that what belongs to Christ. The Bible talks about us being heirs and joint heirs with Christ. But we've got to follow through. It's not who starts the race is the winner. It's the one who finishes. Then let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 to 13. There is a special rest waiting for the people of God. Verse 11 says, so let, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we are accountable. Folks, it doesn't matter if you can pull the wool over the pastor's eyes every day of the week. God still knows. God still sees. Colossians' condition prior to conversion was not unique. They were wicked sinners, enemies, and alienated from God. So were we. So was I. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. 
following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Listen to verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you were saved. If we worked every day of our life, did everything that was ever possible to do good, we couldn't do enough to win our salvation. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. My salvation is made possible by Christ's death on the cross. Good works cannot reconcile us to God. Such things as going to church, giving tithes and offerings, showing acts of kindness and mercy. None of these things can get us into heaven. Cleaning up your act will never do. You say, one day I'm going to serve God, but first I got to change some things in my life. I've got to give up watching pornography. I've got to give up drinking. I've got to give up drugs. I've got to do a lot of these things. When I get my life all straightened out, then I'm going to come to God. You'll never come to God that way. You come to Him just as you are. With all of your baggage. And you lay it at His feet and you say, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner. Forgive me, save me, deliver me. And guess what? He do, he will. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Faith in the finished work of Jesus is what saves you. For by grace you have been saved, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so we're all in here today, various stages of life, various educational standards, various financial situations, various backgrounds. But we're all come the same way, believing in Jesus. We can't boast in anything. Cornelius was a good man, but he wasn't saved. The angel said to him in Acts chapter 11, Cornelius was praying. Listen to this now. Cornelius was praying. He was fasting. He was giving 
alms to the poor. God said, all of these things that you've done comes up before me as a memorial, but I want you to send, I want you to send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, and he will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. You can have a form of religion. You can be a very religious person. But if you're counting on that to get you into the kingdom of God, you're going to fall short. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. It's after you have accepted Christ into your heart, that's when you work. After you have given your life to Christ and you love Him so much and you want others to experience what you have experienced, that's when you give into the offering so that someone else can know Jesus. That's when you, you give of your time so that others can be, be filled with the Spirit and, and understand the things of God. That's when you share your faith, how God helped you in your marriage and restored your life, delivered you from drugs and alcohol and all of these things. It's after you have accepted Christ and that after you have experienced His delivering power, then you're able to go forth and do some good things. Paul speaks of this hidden secret, hidden from past generations. And he says it's this, Christ in you. Jesus Christ lives in you. Now, folks, all of us here, we could all stand and say what it felt like to experience Christ in our life. We know that something happened. We have that witness in our spirit. The, a, dozen, a, to, a thousand demons in hell cannot, cannot uh, tell me that I am not born again. I know it. I know that I know that I know that I've been forgiven of all my sin, that I'm ready to go and I'm ready to stay, whatever God has for me. Some of the things you go through in this life, Paul says, suffering for your faith is partaking in Christ's suffering. People like me, I've had it easy. I come from a line of born-again people. But some of you, and I, I, would, I would imagine that to some of you that are here in this building right now, have paid a good price, a large price, for your stand for the Lord. Some of your family members hasn't taken too kindly to the fact that you're a born-again believer. That's suffering for Christ. Some of you experience hardship in the home because your spouse is not serving God. 
That's suffering for Christ. That's experiencing the sufferings of Christ, Paul says. We are commissioned to share Christ with the world. Sometimes when you do that, you experience the sufferings of Christ. You get ostracized by family. You get ostracized at work. Sometimes you don't get the promotion that you deserve because you take a stand for Christ. I know what that's like. But it's amazing what God can do and what he will do when you take your stand for Christ. In spite of all of the things that go on in the workplace. When you stand for Jesus, he will make sure that you are promoted. And when he promotes you, it's a thousand times better than when man promotes you. I could tell you stories about that, but I'm not going to go there today. So this is the secret, Christ in you. The King James Version says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus lives in you. I'm going to conclude now. What can we learn from this portion of Colossians? First, we're reminded of who Jesus is. He's God. He is worthy of all honor and glory and praise. Don't be ashamed to mention his name. Don't call him the man upstairs. Call him by his name, Jesus my Savior, my Lord. We're reminded of where we once were. And never forget that, folks. And Don't look down on someone who's going through some of the muck and the mire that you once went through. Just remember that God brought you out of that and he can bring someone else out of it too. We're reminded of the blessings that we now enjoy in Christ and of the need to remain faithful to him to the end. But also there's a lesson for those who are not born again Christians. Pointing out your spiritual condition. That's how God sees you. Revealing where you can be in a relationship with God. Nobody has to stay in sin. Nobody has to stay in that situation of hopelessness and helplessness. Christ died for all who will receive him.
you will respond to his offer of reconciliation. God will accept you. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some people understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone. It's a fact that everyone won't be saved. Everyone won't go to heaven. That's a fact. But God wants you to. God God wants you to experience everything that he has planned for his people. The good news is that it's free for everyone who choose to believe. Remember, it was Jesus who said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. And he that believes not shall be damned. Church fathers didn't get together and make that up. Jesus spoke these words himself, part of the Great Commission. Christians were given an awesome, awesome advantage. We have been given power and ability to speak for Jesus. That's why I work and Struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me, Paul said. You can depend on Christ's mighty power working in you. Where is our worship team? Let's, let's come together. Let's leave this place on a good note today. A note of victory. A note of praise. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, this can be the day, it should be the day when you commit your life to Him. If you're an unbeliever, you can become a believer today. If you're a backslider, you can turn back to God today. Maybe that's an old church term that some of you don't even understand. A backslider refers to someone who once served God and have turned away from him. Turn back to following the things of the world rather than to God. God is always seeking you. He's forever giving you an opportunity to come back and renew your faith, renew your relationship with Him. If you're an atheist, if you've convinced yourself that 
There is no God. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Many people have done this. Lord, I don't know if you're real or not. But if you are, would you show yourself to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? And if you would do that, he will. He surely will reveal himself to you. And when he does, believe him. Believe him today, all of us here. Believe him for salvation. Believe him for healing. Believe him for a job. Maybe you're out of work. Believe him for employment. Believe him for finances. Maybe you're looking for a partner in life. Lord, should I seek this one or that one? Give me direction, Lord. Folks, God is interested in everything concerning your well-being. God is not interested in you making a mistake. He wants you to understand that he loves you so much and he cares so much about you that he wants you to have the best relationship you could ever have. You see, with God, everything is possible. Everything. You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive them, it will be yours. That's what the Bible says, Mark eleven twenty four. And that anything, I always like to qualify that because a lot of people take anything to be anything. But that anything means anything that is according to his will. How do I know that? Oh, 1 John chapter four, 5, verse 14. We know that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He gives the attention. He heeds what we're saying. And if he hears us, the Bible says, he will give us what we ask for. Believe his word. Stand in faith in his word. If there's anything that you need from God today, and if you're not sure it's God's will, come up. Talk to me about it. Maybe I'll be able to give you some direction. We can pray about it together. God can answer your prayer. Let's stand together. The guys are going to lead us in worship. We're going to close off the service today in worship. And if anyone that wants prayer, you come. You want healing for your body? Jesus is the healer. You want salvation for your soul? Jesus saves and keeps and satisfies. You want something else? 
Seek God. He loves you. It's yours. He's offering it to us. And his word says that we have not because we ask not. You can stay in your seat until the cows come home. But if you make a move towards God, he'll make a move towards you. Be men and women of faith today and receive what God has for you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.